that we were worth fighting for, that we were worth dying for. They stand for justice, for courage, for heroism and fearlessness in the face of danger. They stand for the brave men and women who selflessly answered the call and gave their very lives for the cause of freedom. Let us never take their sacrifice for granted, but instead remember with gratitude those who have served. Today, tomorrow, and every day thereafter. By the grace of God, if we walk upon free soil, if we breathe in the sweetness of liberty, let us give thanks, let us honor the fallen, and let us never forget. Well, good morning. Let me walk you to Crossroads, and let me remind you that I think it's this Thursday is Veterans Day, uh, and as we approach that day, let us remember those who have served, uh, who are serving, and those who gave the ultimate sacrifice as we pray for them and how they represent and defend our country and give us the ability to uh, have the freedom that we do and that we enjoy. And I encourage you every time you get a chance, exercise that freedom and vote uh, and vote some of these people out and vote some other people in uh, and let's hold on to the freedom that we so preciously enjoy. Well, today uh, is a little bit different. Uh, it, again, I'm kind, of in a, I'm kind of in a different place right now. Uh, I, I'm in a single message kind of phase. I'm not in a series, uh, and I, that'll probably change in a week or two, but right now I'm kind of in that groove of just kind of doing some single messages because there's some things I've wanted to talk about and some things I've wanted to address. And today I kind of got the idea this past week of saying, you know, uh, I, I want you to think about some of the things that have shaped your life. Because all of us have had things that shape our lives. Uh, and uh, most of us are at the, at the season of life right now where we look back and we can definitely see some of those things that have shaped our lives. And, and, and I would ask you to look back at your life and just think about it. Don't say it out loud. Just think about some of the things that have shaped your life. Because this past week, as I was thinking about some of the things that have shaped my life, one of the things that I could tell you that has shaped my life probably as much as anything else is growing up hearing those little sayings that people would say, uh, things like, never, never give up. That was something that Barry Sutton, who was the, the principal at Lebanon High School, said. He said, never give up, never, ever give up. Uh, one of those sayings I heard that kind of really kind of molded me was, keep your nose to the grindstone. I heard another saying that was, don't find fault, find a remedy. Those sayings really shaped my life because here's the thing. I would hear people say that when I was younger, like in middle school or high school or even college. And most of the time, the people that were saying that, they were saying that and kind of addressing it to me or a situation that was going on. And as an older person sometimes tells a younger person something, the younger person like, uh, maybe talk to the hand, I don't want to hear it. You really don't want to hear it. But one of the things I've realized is that I've grown older most of those sayings are full of truth. And here's where I'm going with this. About eight or nine months ago, or nine years ago, I stumbled across a quote 
a saying, and, I, and I've actually talked about it here before in, a, in another context, but this quote or this saying was something that impacted my life. And this quote is the very thing that I think, as I was looking at my notes this past week, or really the week before last, it, it kind of gave me direction uh, in which we need to go this morning. And, and, and I've used it before, like I said, and some of you are going to remember it. But here's the, quote I, here's the quote I want you to see. Look behind me. The quote goes like this. If, if I could see as God sees, then I would naturally be more inclined to do as God says. In other words, if I could see as God sees, then I would naturally be more inclined to do what God says. And, and the more you think about that statement, that's an amazing statement. And, and whether we want to admit it or not, that's true. See, here's the deal. God is the ultimate communicator. And some of you are going to struggle with that because you say, well, I've never heard God say anything. God is the ultimate communicator because God is the one who created communication. And although I have never personally heard God speak to me out loud, I do believe that God speaks. And he speaks to all of us. And when he speaks to us and when he speaks to you, he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the Bible. So this morning, here's the thing I want to do, I, I, because people struggle with this. You know, Randy, I've never heard God say anything. I, I, I know you struggle with this. And that's the reason why I want us to look and investigate. How does God speak? And the reason that's so important is because you and I, we need to know what God is saying. And the place that I think that we can get real insight into this, it's actually found in the longest chapter in the Bible. That's Psalm 119. And, and what's really interesting is this. Psalm 119 is, is a psalm that's written by David. And in what he says in Psalm 119, this really gives us revelation. It gives us insight into how God speaks to David. Now, here's the thing. Before we move any further, we need to realize that, that, that David did not have the Bible that some of you brought in with you. See, we, we talk about God speaking to us, and we have to understand David did not have the Bible that you carry with you. David probably had in his hand about seven books and of those seven, three of the books that he had with him, those books would actually choke a horse. And we think that David had the books. Here's what we think. We, had, we think David had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and probably Joshua and Judges. Now, if we're honest this morning, I want you to hear what I'm saying. We're really not sure. But we think those are the books that David had. And what's interesting is this. Out of the books that David had, David seems to get the most out of Leviticus, out of Numbers, and out of Deuteronomy. And, and it's always interesting to me because David always talks about loving the law. 
David always talks about loving God's Word. And, and I think most of you that I know struggle so much with trying to understand the Bible. And you hear David, this guy in the Scripture, saying he loves God's law, he loves God's Word. You're like, really? I mean, are you serious? Are you really saying that you like it? But here's the thing. From David's perspective, he, he talks about God's word, the, the word that he had. He talks about God's law, not, not as a list of what you think of do's and don'ts, but he talks about God's word with passion. And the passion that he uses actually comes from a relational perspective. David says that he, he loves the law. He loves God's word. He, he meditates on it day and night. He says it comforts him. It revives him. And, and from David's perspective, there is something about God's law. There's something about God's word that to him was very relational. It was something that was really brought to, to his mind and to his heart in a, in a very relational context. So this morning, I, I want us to spend our time trying to discover why God's law or God's word was so important, especially when it comes down to this relational perspective that David seems to have with God's word. See, see one of the things that we must remember was that in David's day, religion was complicated. I mean, I mean, when you think about religion in his culture, you, you just have to understand there were certain do's and there were certain don'ts. You just had to do things the right way. You had to wash a certain way. You had to kill animals a certain way. And if you didn't do it right the first time, then again, you had to start the process all over again. But what's interesting is this. I want you to hear this. Despite the rituals and despite the cumbersome things that David had to go through as it related to religion in his culture, he still found a very personal and intimate relationship with God. And it's that personal relationship that David had. It originated from God's Word. That relationship originated from God's law. And I think that's what we have to understand. I think we need to understand that God wants to have a relationship with every one of you in this building and all of those watching and listening online. That's his desire. His desire is to have a personal relationship with us. And that being said, here's the thing you also understand. He wants to speak to you. But the way that God is going to speak to you is oftentimes going to be through his word. But one of the things I have found is that many of the Christians that I know and, and, and many people who are not Christians, We live like God doesn't speak to us. We live our lives like God isn't saying anything to us, but he is and he does. 
And that's what we're about to find out as we dive into what David wrote in Psalm 119. So if you have your Bible and you would like to, turn with me to Psalm 119, and we're going to start way down in Psalm 119. We're going to start at verse 97, and I want us to see what David says. Here's what he says. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I love it. I just, I just meditate on it. And, and, and we're like, David, are you kidding me? He loves it. He meditates on it. It's something that he looks at throughout his day. And you're like, David, dude, go and get a life. But here's what you have to understand. David had a life. He tells us that he meditates on God's word all day long, but we say that that doesn't sound like a man who has a life, but David had a life. David was the king. David was a busy person. But what David had learned was when David took the time, when he took God's word and his truths and he meditated on it, then it was God's word that became the benchmark. God's word would become the benchmark for all the decisions that David would have to make in his life, personally and corporately, as a king. Let's read on. Look at the next verse. David said, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your, on your statues. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Now let's, let's stop and realize what he's saying. And I'm going to leave those up there so you can see those verses, those three verses. And the reason why I would stop here is because I think this is important. David is saying to us that he has spent so much time in God's Word. Because what did he tell us? He meditates on God's Word over and over. And the result of meditating on the Word of God or God's law, it's interchangeable. The result of doing that has been that God has taught him or that God has communicated things to him. And there are three things in the verses that you see behind me that we see that God has specifically spoken or taught to David. David says that he's gained these three things. Look behind me. He's gained wisdom. And he's gained insight, and he's gained understanding. David says, I have wisdom because, God, you've taught me that through your word. I have insight because, again, God, that's something that you've taught me through your word. And I have understanding because, again, God, you've taught that to me through your word. And it's the three things that you see on the screen behind me. Those three things form the basis for all the decisions that David is going to make 
throughout his life. And I want to tell you what that means. What that means is, if you, is that, that, that if you have wisdom, insight, and understanding, if you have wisdom, insight, and understanding, then as you go through life, the result of those three things means that you are going to make good decisions. See, God isn't trying to tell you, well, you need the big car or you need the small car. The big house or the little house. What God is trying to communicate to us is to teach us wisdom, insight, and understanding so that we have those things in our life and they become the foundation for you and I to go through life and to ultimately make good decisions. And that means good decisions in all areas of our life. And David says that because God has given him wisdom, he can outsmart his enemies. He has more insight than his teachers because God has communicated to him through his word. He even has more understanding, David is saying, than people who are older than him. And all of this happened because David took the time to spend that time in God's Word. Now, not, now not the Bible that you have today, but the law, the Word, what we believe at that time was those seven books. And David goes on. Look, look at the next verse. The next verse says, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might, might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you, you, you yourself have taught me. And David is saying to us that when he takes time to read God's word, it's just like God is teaching him directly. God is let, I mean, David is letting us know that, that, that God is like a tutor. Somebody that's helping him learn and helping him understand. And David is sitting not with what you and I have, not the Bible that you have, not the scripture that you and I have, but God, David is sitting there with a scroll. And as he opens that scroll and looks at God's law or God's word, it's like God is teaching him. Not in an audible voice, but God is teaching David through what is actually written down. Look, look at verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now pay special attention to what I'm about to read because, because this is huge. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Look at that again. I gain understanding from your precepts, and because of that, because of that understanding that I get from your precepts, naturally I hate every wrong path. 
I mean, can I just say this? If you're here in this auditorium this morning and you're a student, a middle school student, you could be an elementary school student, a, a junior high, middle school, high school, even a college student. If you're a student and you're listening or watching online, then let me tell you, this is huge. What we just read is huge to you. It's not just huge to you, but it's huge to your life. Because David is saying to us, as a result of spending time in God's Word, what he has gained is insight and understanding into evil. God has given David insight and understanding when it comes to sin. God has given insight and understanding when it comes to wrong ways. And the result of that, David is saying, is that simply he's going to avoid destructive habits. Because of spending the time in God's Word, he has the ability to see sin as it really is. He has the ability, because he spent the time and meditated on God's Word, to see through sin, to not be someone who falls for sin, to not give in to the allure of sin. David is saying now, because of the wisdom, insight, and understanding that he has, that he can now see sin for what it really is. So I think this is a good place to stop. And it's a great place to address the shallowness of sin. Because, see, in my opinion, there are three ways that you can see how, how shallow sin really is. You want to know about the shallowness of sin? The first way that you can understand the shallowness of sin is to experience it. I mean, leave this service today and go get you a, <clears throat> a big old dose of sin. <clears throat> and when you do, you'll see. Sin isn't all it's cracked up to be. So the first thing you see is sin is shallow because you can experience it. That's the first way to discover that, it, that sin is shallow as you experience it. The second way that you can discover how shallow sin really is, is just watch other people. You watch them experience sin in their life, and you watch them crash and burn. But the third way is to do what David says. If you allow God, God will show you how shallow sin really is. He will instruct you and he will teach you. Giving you understanding. So that apart from experience and observation, you, like David, can see sin for what it really is. You can see evil for what it really is. And then... The promise of sin won't be something that's so tempting to you. That's what this verse means. Look, look at it again. I'm going to put it up on the screen so you can see it again. Here's what that verse said. Look at the It says, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate 
every wrong path. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. And let's just be honest this morning. Couldn't you, like me, have avoided your biggest regret if you would have been able to see through the promise that sin was holding in front of you? I mean, think back. Think back to your biggest regret. Think back to your biggest nightmare. And there was probably somebody in your life at that time when you stepped into that big old pile of sin. Kind of scared you there, didn't I? But there was probably somebody with that nightmare that you were about to commit, that nightmare, that big regret that said to you, don't do that. Or maybe they were saying, stop, stop, go back, go back, go back. And see, the person that was watching you and the sin that you were about to commit, they were seeing what you were about to do, but they were seeing what you were about to do differently than the way that you were seeing it. They were looking at what I was about to do and saying, Randy, bad decision. And I was like, oh, no, it'll be fine. It'll work out. And they were saying, no, 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 no. You're making a terrible mistake. But we didn't see it that way. We didn't see the mistake that we were about to make. And so what did we do? We did it anyway. Go back to the very first thing I said. If only we could see as they saw. And see, that's what God is saying to us this morning. God is saying to you this morning through me. Give me some time. Give me some time and I'll teach you. Because chances are, God is saying to you right now, chances are when you begin to see as I see, then you'll begin to do as I say. Because I, the very God of heaven and earth, I desire to give you wisdom and insight. Because I want you to see sin for what it really is. God says, I will let you see through the veneer of sin so that you understand that sin never delivers on its promise. Amen? It never delivers on its promise. And God says, you know what? If you'll give me the time, I'll give you the insight. But to get that insight, you have to spend time in my word. Look at the last verse that we're looking at today. Verse 105. Many of you know this verse. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path.
You know what David's really saying? That your word, God, is like waves. W-A-Z-E, anybody got the app in here? David's saying, your, your word, God, is like Google Maps. God's word is like direction. When I'm walking in a dark place, and when I'm walking in a dark place, David is saying, God's word is what lights my path so that I can see where I'm going. And what that really is saying right there on the screen behind me is this. God is going to communicate with me through his word. And the reason he's going to communicate with me through his word is because he wants me to know how to live my life. So I know how to conduct my affairs. So I know how to handle my relationships and to handle my finances, how to handle any area of my life that I can speak of. Listen to me this morning. It's God's word that gives you direction. It's not a CD. It's not, it's not a voice. It's, it's not a book. But God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And see, here's what's so incredible about this. It's incredible, incredible because your Heavenly Father wants to go beyond just the simple decisions of your life. Your Heavenly Father wants to go to the core of your life. And the reason He, want, he wants to go to the core is because He knows that as you, if you begin to see love and relationships and sex and marriage and kids and parents and jobs, if you begin to see everything. If you begin to see as he sees, then his decisions and his desires for you will start to make more sense. And when they do, you're going to be more prone to follow him. Now listen to me. I think all of us have heard messages in a setting like this or at another church. I think all of us have read verses from Scripture that on the surface, we thought, you know, what Randy's talking about does not apply to me. That, that verse that I read in Scripture, it, it does not apply to me. There, there just isn't any way that that verse applies to my life because I just simply couldn't do that. I mean, we, we read the Bible, we read the Scripture, and we think in 2021... There's just no way that, that verse could apply to my life. So that must have been some type of cultural problem that existed in the time of David or existed in the time of Jesus because those verses just don't work in my life. I mean, verses like, husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church and lay down your life for her. And we say, you know what, I don't think I could do that because I have my own life. And if I just look after my wife, who's going to look after me? Or that verse that says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband. And some of you wives say, oh, I'm so sure, God. I mean, have you seen my husband? That just doesn't make sense. I don't have to submit. That must have meant, been meant for some cultural weirdness back in those days. 
Or what about where the scripture says, children, obey your parents? Excuse me, have you seen my parents? What about where the Bible talks about sex? And it says sex is for marriage. Oh, I'm sure sex was for marriage back when they got married at 12. I mean, that, that would work back then. But now we don't get married until we're like 30. And uh, you think I'm going to wait? I'm not going to wait. And see, here's the problem. We read all of these things in Scripture and we say, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit my life. And you know why you say the Scripture doesn't work and it doesn't fit your life? It's because you don't see as God sees. Because if you saw as God saw, then the things that you read would make perfect sense. And when you and I take the time to read and to meditate on God's Word, that's when His commandments, that's when His words are going to begin to make perfect sense to us. And that's what God is saying. God is saying to you, I want you to know you like I know you. And just so you know, that's what God is saying. God is saying, I just want you to understand, I made it so simple. It's so simple, people. That's the very reason. This is God talking to you. God is saying, it's so simple, I wrote it down. And I want you to allow me to change your thinking and your attitudes and the way that you see life. And let me tell you, God is saying, the way that you do that isn't a quick prayer. But the way that you do that is to allow me to give you wisdom and understanding. And as you start to work through my word, as you start to work through the process, you're going to begin to see as I see. And when you begin to see, this is God saying this to you, when you begin, begin to see as I see, then chances are you're going to begin to do as I say. See, here's the thing. If you're here today and you're a parent, then you know what I'm talking about. If you're a parent here today, you know exactly what I'm talking about because as a parent, you're watching your kids make some disastrous decisions. And you're trying to explain to them, if you could only see this the way I see this, then you wouldn't do what you're about to do. And honestly, when you think about it, that's the very heart of God. He says that if you see as he sees, then you're going to do as he says every time. Because he wants the best for us. He wants the best for all of you. And listen to me this morning, from where he sits and from where he's watching, it all makes perfect sense. But none of us are going to get there by listening to a, 
to, to, to a CD. None of us are going to get there by listening to iTunes. You're not going to get there by reading the books that are on the New York Times bestseller list. We need to do what God says. We need to meditate. We need to spend time. We need to prioritize around some time of the day when we sit down and we open God's Word and we say, God, I want you to speak to me. I want to have wisdom and I want to have insight and I want to have understanding so that those things become the basis for every decision in my life. God wants to speak to you, and he wants to speak to you. Hear what I'm saying about the real issues in your life. And the other thing he wants to do is that he wants to reveal things about you that you don't even know about yourself. Because, see, the Bible tells us that God's word isn't like something that you put on the coffee table. The Bible tells us that God's word isn't steel like being still, just like sitting there. The Bible tells us it's alive and active. Look at Hebrews 4. Here's what it says. It says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And here's what that means. If you will begin to prioritize time in your life around God's Word, then God will begin in your life to do things in your life at a heart, at a soul, at an emotional level that nobody else can do in your life. God's going to bring things, insight into your heart and your mind about yourself that will give you the stepping stone that you need so that you can make progress emotionally. You know what I've seen God do? I've seen him use his word to help people who struggled with insecurities. And it was those insecurities that drove their self-destructive behavior. But I've seen God use his word to help those people. You know what else I've seen God do with his word? I've seen him use his word to reveal the anger that can drive depression. Because, again, his word is sharp and able to judge the intentions of the heart. What we, need, what we really need to realize is that there are things that God wants to say to you about you. God has things he wants to say to you about you. Not about me, but about you. And nobody has the insight that God has. And the Bible, his words, his book is so powerful that it goes way beyond seeing things in your life in the same way that the world sees those things. His word sees things the way that he sees things. You know what else you can find out when you, about yourself when you read God's word? If you take the time to read God's Word, you can find out how amazing grace really is. It's in His Word that you can find out that you're fully accepted in Christ. It's in His Word that you can find out that you don't have to perform anymore. There's nothing you have to do performance-wise to earn His love and acceptance. 
Because it's in his word. That's the place that we discover that his love is a gift to us. And you know something? You you can hear a thousand sermons on this. But until God brings those words off the page, it's then that it will ignite something in you like never before. And when those, page, those words jump off that page in your life, you will be dying to tell other people your story because you can tell the other people that God spoke to you. God wants to speak to you. It's his desire to do. It's what he longs to do. So this morning, I, I want to take the last few minutes of this message and make some application here. If you're here this morning and you're a parent, then one of the biggest investments as a parent that you can make in your child's life is for you as a parent to begin to associate household decisions with the Word of God. Don't just make good decisions. Don't just make right decisions. Help your children understand that you needed God's insight. You needed God's wisdom to make the decisions that you're making. I mean, tell your children, the reason that mom and dad do this, the reason that we made this decision uh, is because of this biblical principle. The reason that we're doing this, son, is because of what the Bible says right here. Honey, the reason we don't do that at our house is because of what it says right here in God's Word. The more that you as a parent can associate the practical decisions that you have to make to what God has spoken about in His Word, it's going to do something in the lives of your children and for your children. And it will give them a perspective on God's Word, the Bible. If you're here this morning and you're single, one of the biggest decisions that you await is the selection of a mate. It may be about getting married, who to marry, it may be about remarriage. And if that's you, if you're single in this auditorium listening or watching online, then if you're single, if there's anything you need, it's wisdom and insight and understanding. You need the wisdom and insight and understanding of God. See, it's going to be too late once he asks you. And there's the ring in front of you, and what do I do? And, 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 you know, and, and there she is. She looks like she just walked out of a, a magazine. Because here's the thing. When, when somebody, you know, ask you to marry them or, to, or, or to, to, to be a partner for life, you know, it's, it's at that time you, you, you enter in what I call the love fog. Because that's just the nature of being in love. You move into the fog and you come out on the other side married and you go, wow, that, you know, I didn't realize that was going to happen. That's the way love is. But I'm telling you this morning, if you move into the fog and you carry into the fog the love fog, you've got a big old sack full of wisdom and insight and understanding, you're going to be better off. That's why even though Mr. or Miss Wright might not be on the horizon, 
This is your opportunity to prepare for that when it happens. This is your opportunity to get ready so that when it's time to make those decisions about who to marry and when to marry, you have formed a basis in your life and in your thinking so that you can sort out the decisions that you need to make. You need to see as God sees when it comes to being single. You need to see as God sees when it comes to marriage. You need to see as God sees when it comes to sex. You need to see as God sees when it comes to money. As a single adult, you need to see as God sees because it will make it much easier to avoid what the culture out there is telling you that you should do. And let me just say this. You need to understand, there are no shortcuts, people. There's nothing quick that you can do. It's going to take time, and it's going to take an investment. The last group I want to talk to this morning is our students. Because students, here's the thing. The last thing I wanted to hear when I was your age as a student, the last thing I wanted to hear my parents talk about were my friends. My friends were my friends, and I didn't want anybody talking about my friends. And students, I want you to hear what I'm saying to me. One of the wisest things that you can do is to say, God, help me to see friendships the way that you see friendship. God, I want to see the way that you see when it comes to the friends that I have in my life and the way that I have friendships with those people. Because listen to this. This is huge. Your friends have the potential to determine the course of your life. And if you begin to see friendship as God sees friendship, then you will be more capable or you will be more prone to do as God says. And the result of doing what God says means that your life will be filled with friendships that are rich. But students, listen to me. If you don't, then it's up to mom and dad. And you don't want to hear it. And they don't want to say it. And before long, if you make bad decisions as it relates to your friends, it's going to be World War III at your house. So students, here's the thing I'm telling you this morning. Get into God's Word. Get into God's Word. And, and, and it's okay for you to say, it's okay to say, God, I don't understand this whole Scripture thing. I don't understand the Bible. But I want to see friendship, God, the way that you see friendship. Because here's the thing. If you as a student see friendship the way that God sees friendship, you're going to be more prone to do as God says. If you see as God sees, you'll do as God says. And here's the thing. Your Father in heaven wants to spend time with you. And if I could just speak for him this morning, I believe he's saying, I've made this as easy as I know how. 
And all I need you to do is listen. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to take a minute and I want to put up a simple prayer up on the screen. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you as we put this prayer up on the screen in just a moment. Get your camera phone out. Get your smartphone out and make a picture. Take a picture so you have this prayer. And I would also say this. If you're one of those people who is just now beginning your journey with God, then here's the prayer that I would encourage you to pray. And the prayer goes just like what you see behind me. Heavenly Father, let the light of your word shine down into the dark places of my life. Basically, what's that saying? God, help me see things the way that you see things. God, let the light of your word shine down into the dark places of my life. Let the promises of your word encourage my soul. Let the truth of your word reshape my attitudes. In other words, Lord, I want to see the way the world, the way that you see the world. And let the wisdom of your word guide my decisions. If you will pray that prayer that you see behind me, get get your phone out and make a picture. If you will pray that prayer, open your Bible. And if you'll just begin, every time you open the Bible, say, God, I, I, I want the wisdom and the insight and the understanding. And the reason I want that is because I want those things to begin to perform the baseline for the way that I live my life. I'm going to tell you, I promise you that your Heavenly Father can't wait to speak to you. You do this, you you pray that prayer, and you open your Bible, and you sit there asking for God to speak to you. I guarantee that you will come in here next week, and you will not be able to hold it in. You'll be dying to tell us a story about how God spoke to you. But all it takes is time. Time with your Bible open. And when that happens, your Heavenly Father will speak to you. And he will address the issues of your soul and your world because he still speaks. Would you bow your heads this morning and pray with me, please? God, we're so thankful that we have your word. And God, we're so thankful that we have so much more than David had. That, God, we just need to simply take the time and, and open it up and, 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 and pray that prayer like we saw on the screen just a moment or something close to that. Knowing that your desire is to speak to us and to let us know and understand the things that are happening in our world and in our lives and how those things should not really commingle, but how we can navigate through those things. It's the wisdom, it's the insight, it's the understanding that form the baseline the decisions that we make. God, we want to be like David, somebody who sets aside time to meditate, to ponder what it is that you have to say to us. God, that's my prayer this week.
is it to everyone in this auditorium, those listening, those watching online, that they will be like David and that they will desire to hear from you. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name, amen.
Also drop your offering in there, whether that's cash or check. Uh, we'll have our guest service team members at the doors. You can catch one of them in the lobby if you are to miss them. We also have restocked all the 100 box information. It's out there, so we encourage you. If you didn't get the stuff last week, the brochure and the boxes are out there and the sign-up sheet's out there. Have a great week. It's going to be a beautiful week, the first part, and we'll hope to see you back next Sunday. Have a great week. <laughs>